Hi everybody, I'm Jeff Suckendorf, CEO of UTDs. I don't even know my name, my company anymore. It's changed. We did <laughs> what, that five times. Is the name we changed? Yeah, it's UTD Scuba Diving now, not Unified Team Diving anymore. Well, it's Unified Team Diving or UTD Scuba or UTD Diving. Diving. You can have an official name. It's UTD Scuba Diving. Okay. Hey everybody, Jeff here, back with another car cast. These things seem to be coming up now when they're very timely. The last one on fulfilling unfulfilled dreams came on the heels of my biathlon experience, which was super cool. This one is coming on the heels of a very frustrating training experience. And I've been thinking about this, and I'm on the drive home now, and how that applies to, to me as an athlete, to me as a business owner, and of course to each of us as divers in a training scenario. Setbacks are part of life. Setbacks are just, you know, we all face them at all times. And I think part of the deal on becoming successful at anything is managing the setbacks in a way that allow us to, uh, to learn from them and to move forward. So the story that triggered this podcast is a cycling story. I have recently purchased a aerodynamic testing device. And these things are finicky. They're just starting to hit the market. And we know they're finicky and they know they're complicated. What we're trying to do is measure aerodynamic drag at relatively very, very low speeds. I mean, normally, you know, in, in his, historically, aerodynamic testing has been reserved for airplanes, for Formula One cars, for stuff that goes fast. The, uh, the relative uh, drag created by moving an object through air goes up uh, in a, a, by, by cubing it, not doubling it or squaring it, but by cubing it. So what that means is the faster you go, the more drag is created by the air you're moving through. And of course, when you get up into the, the higher speeds, the small changes are less of an issue. When you're down in the speeds that we're running at on a bicycle, you know, basically 20 to 35 or 40 miles an hour, which is what, 30 to 60K, the accuracy goes down dramatically. And so it's become more and more difficult for companies to actually produce uh, a thing, uh, a sensor that will read these drag numbers at very low speeds, relatively very low speeds. It feels like we're going really fast on the bike, but that's because we're on a bike. So, you know, we're trying to measure aerodynamics for, you know, body position, for helmet choice, for clothing choice, for hand position on the bike, um, for wheel choice. All of these other things are related to uh, aerodynamics and pushing all of this stuff through the wind 
And uh, as you've heard on the podcast a thousand times, I'm chasing an hour record on the bike. So aerodynamics become really, really important. So I bought this thing that I tested last year. It worked perfectly. It allowed us to read real-time aerodynamic drag, CDA, coefficient of drag area. And it has never worked perfectly, but it has kind of worked. And, you know, I'm testing this on a velodrome. There's a track in San Diego that's 20 minutes from my house, but it's an outside track. So it's windy and a little bumpy and not the most perfect place. So, but, but the thing has been working and the thing has been providing data. What I needed to do next was put it in a more controlled scenario. So about an hour and a half north of my house is the Los Angeles Velodrome. It's an indoor track. Uh, it's a beautiful, wooden, gorgeous track, 45-degree banked corners, and so on. So I drove up this morning with all these parts, and this means packing last night, getting the car ready, waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, leaving at 4.30, getting there at 6 when it opens, and bolted the whole thing onto the bike, and it didn't work. And it, it didn't just not work. It just almost worked, but it didn't work. So I spent from six in the morning until about 9.30 this morning, three and a half hours, just trying to get this thing to read what it's supposed to read, which it did last time, oddly. It was very frustrating. I talked to a friend of mine who has one. He couldn't figure it out. I talked to the manufacturer of the unit three times now today. He can't figure it out. Eventually, what they've come down to is they're going to replace the unit. And so today was really frustrating, right? This is going to be basically 4 to four a.m. to noon. And the day was fundamentally wasted. I mean, no day is wasted. But today was fundamentally wasted. Really frustrating. Ready to get a lot of good work done. Got nothing done. Got nothing accomplished except found out that something doesn't work. So it's a setback. And I think that what we want to do today, or what I want to do today is look at how we deal with these setbacks. And not so much in cycling, because that just really affects me, but in scuba particularly, because that's what we're talking about. So let's talk about what happens in a setback. Let's talk about what happens in a class where your expectations of your own performance is, is not met, are not met. And the other thing we've always said in UTD is that you pay for training, but you earn certification. So certification is never a given. In UTD, in Unified Team Diving, in the training system, we have two forms that instructors can use at the completion of a class. One is a certification form that gives you the, the card the certification and allows you to go to whatever level you're seeking, be it, you know, deeper diving in tech, overhead diving in cave, buying different gases, diving on a rebreather, some certification thing that allows you to do something else. And we have a standard for that, as does every training agency. And in order to pass the class, and I'm actually doing air quotes when I say pass, in order to complete the, the class at a passing level and receive the certification, you've got to meet the standards. And those standards are 
not only understanding the material, completing the coursework, and, and doing you know a, a written test. The standards are: can you demonstrate to your instructor that you are able to safely dive at this new level? And of course, none of us expect you to come out of any class perfect or wildly experienced. What we do expect is that you can come out of any class safe enough to practice perfectly. Right? We've always said practice doesn't make perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. So that's our goal in a class is get you to a point where you're safe to continue to dive and train at this new level and get better and better and better after which you can maybe roll up to yet another level. But the other option for the instructor, if the student, you, does not reach this bar, does not reach this level, is to fill out a form that we call a path to completion form. We've had this since day one in Unified Team Driving. And what this allows the instructor to do is say to the student, okay, you reached the bar here, but didn't reach the bar here, or you didn't reach the bar anywhere, or whatever it is. But the path to completion form, it's a document that goes on file with UTD, it goes to you, the student, it goes to the instructor. So everybody's on the same page, and everybody is fully transparent about what's next. Do you need more work on buoyancy? Do you need more work on propulsion? Do you need more work on a gas switch? Do you need more work on basic skills like air shares and things like that? We want you to know this so then you can go and practice perfectly or practice properly and then come back and finish the class and get to a point where you have reached the bar of certification or whatever the goal may be. Now, it's one of the reasons we put the coaching program together, which takes certification off the table, and it makes the whole system of training much more about personal skills and team skills and so on. But what happens when you finish a course and you think you did well or you think you did okay or your expectations are that you're ready to move on and your instructor issues this path to completion form? What are the challenges, both mentally and emotionally, that come with that? And I think how we deal with these challenges is critical in how we move forward in our training, in anything, in diving, in cycling, in living, in having relationships, in running a business, whatever it happens to be. And... How do you take a setback like, oh, I didn't pass, and use that as motivation to keep moving and not take it as, oh, you're not good enough, you'll never succeed, let's just quit. About halfway through most classes that are, that are difficult, like a technical class or a cave class, we have what's called the eBay dive. And this is, this is normally, like I said, about halfway through the class when everything goes sideways and you can't tie your shoe. It's that 
bad. You know, you, you can't do personal skills, you're losing your mind, you're not keeping track of things, you're not aware. You, you just get to a point in training at some point where things get so overwhelming that nothing in your brain works. And so in that situation, people come out of the water and it's like, screw this. I'm just going to sell everything. I'm going to put all my gear on eBay. I'm going to find a new hobby. I'm going to buy a motorcycle and I'm going to ride it across the country. And that's the end of diving. And we work on this with our instructors to make people understand that this midpoint day, this eBay dive day, happens a lot. And so we train our instructors to talk you off the ledge, to bring you back to reality, to let you know that you are not alone in facing these scenarios where in the course of training, things go sideways. In the course of living, things go sideways. How do you deal with it? That's my question for today. How do you deal with it? I think the first thing is to understand that this happens. This is a thing. It's not fake. We're not making this up. These eBay dives happen. You know, this frustration happens. And, you know, there are two obvious ways to deal with it. One is quit diving, sell all your gear, go home, ride a motorcycle across the country. The other one is to get back in the car, go back to dinner, watch the video, see where you may have made simple judgment errors, and figure out how you're going to correct those tomorrow. Now, a good instructor will give you the space to accept that you had some issues and provide you a safe environment coming back the next day to try it again, right? We're not going to move ahead with a, a more complicated skill if we don't have the base skill done. And I think that's the first thing in dealing with setbacks is to say, okay, I've had a setback. Now I'm going to work with my instructor and go backward before this setback occurred, learn what the underlying cause of it was, get that skill, skill set or awareness better, and then go through the process again and seeing if the skill that went sideways now doesn't go sideways. That's what we're looking at. So I think that's the first thing is just relax into the idea that this happens to everybody. And then relax into the idea that you get a second chance. You get to try it again. This is the beauty of training, right? All of our critical skills are basically simulated failures. They're not real. There's a backup. There's an instructor. There's more gas. We're not actually running out of gas or we're not actually, you know, turning off all your gas or anything crazy like that. We're simulating all of this. So you have an opportunity to reset and try again. It's the beauty of simulator training. You can fly an aircraft simulator into the ground. And when it's done, you can back up to the point where everything went wrong and created a crash and do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again until you finally figure out what the underlying skill that 
you know, is that was going sideways and fix that skill, which in turn fixes the result, which, you know, in the aircraft simulator was a crash in diving might be who knows what, right? Team separation or unable to accomplish an air share in a reasonable amount of time or, you know, whatever. So that's the first thing. The first thing is give yourself permission to reset, do it again, test again, try it again. That's easy. The second one is much more difficult. The second one is how do you deal with the frustration? Now, today, me, I can look at this as if I wasted a full day, a full eight-hour workday. Got up early, drove to L.A. an hour and a half, spent three hours trying to make some little electronic thing work. Couldn't do it. Got back in the car, hour and a half drive home. I could spend the rest of the day pissed off. I could be super angry at the company that made this thing. I could be, you know, ready just to take somebody's head off. But there's nothing served by that. There is absolutely something served by being frustrated and honoring the fact that today kind of sucked on the bike. Yesterday I had a great workout. Tomorrow I'll have a great workout. Today kind of sucked. I didn't get much done today. I have to figure out how to regroup, get back on the bike later, try it again, all that other stuff. But the frustration is real. The key is walk through the frustration, honor it, feel it, accept it, call someone, tell them you're frustrated. But don't pitch a tent there. Get it out of your system and move forward. Now, this is easy for me to say. It's not necessarily easy for everyone to do. And I understand that. You know, you you just can't tell someone to feel better. <laughs> it just doesn't work. You've got to go through that process yourself and discover your own feeling better. So for me today, like I said earlier, I called a friend of mine. He couldn't help. I called the manufacturer. I've spoken with him throughout the course of the morning. And what was so interesting is my friend who has one of these sensors said to me when I was talking to him is, you know, I understand you're frustrated. It's great that the company is speaking with you and is doing this kind of customer service. My response to that well, is, well, I'm sure it's really frustrating for them, too. And, and, and that was true because later when I was talking to the manufacturer, he was like, you know, this is a problem we have not seen in this unit. This is really frustrating for me. That's the manufacturer speaking. And in some ways, that helped diffuse my frustration, right? Because now I'm working with somebody who sees a problem and is trying to help me fix it. So being mad, being angry, being frustrated out loud, none of that, none of that is going to make this problem get any better. It's kind of like yelling at the airline ticket counter person. That's not going to make you less late for your plane, right? If you get to the airport late, 
and you can't get through security because you're late and you're blaming everybody in front of you and you're blaming TSA and you're blaming everyone else, none of it's going to change the fact that you just got to the airport late. And that's kind of the same thing here today. I was frustrated. The manufacturer was frustrated. But instead of being mad at each other, me because I couldn't get it to work, and him because he sold me a product that didn't work, and blah, blah, blah. It was much more of a team effort to, all right, listen, let's work together to solve this. You know, I'll send you a new one. You send me back the parts you're using. Let me see if I can replicate your issues. And, and you know, we'll work together to solve this. And, and so here I am an hour and a half later, getting closer to home. And the frustration has kind of gone away. It's all kind of diffused because I'm working with somebody else who's frustrated to help me solve this problem. There's nothing I can do about it now. I mean, I can go retest today and see, you know, with a slight different protocol and see if I get a better result. Or I'm just going to have to wait till a couple of weeks while they send me another unit from the UK and then I'll start all over again. And that's just the way it goes. If you have an eBay dive, if you have a frustrating dive in training where nothing goes right, it's important to understand that you're not the only frustrated person. You might have a frustrated teammate who has the skills you're trying to learn and is frustrated because you don't, and you're dragging him down, not literally, but figuratively, slowing him down in his training or her training. And remember, you've got an instructor whose goal it is to help you acquire skills in diving that are critical. So when you start to look around at team diving, you know, and you can look at our name, our company name, it is unified team diving. As we always say, it is not unified, go screw off by yourself diving. It's unified team diving. So look at the team that you're working with when you're frustrated. Who else is frustrated around you? Teammate, instructor, you know, the spouse or partner who has to listen to all this later. All of it. But in the moment, the instructor and your teammates are the ones who are going to help you through this. So I think that it is okay to say to those people at the end of the dive, oh my God, that was crazy frustrating. I want to sell all my gear and take up darts. But I'm not going to because I have this awesome teammate and I have this awesome instructor and I know you're all frustrated with me. So let's help me figure this whole mess out. And that's going to make everybody else work together. That's going to make your teammate work with you. It's going to make your instructor uh, buy in even more and be more motivated to help you. Everybody's going to help you get across this little gap that got created in your skills that created the frustration. So that's number two. Embrace your team of support and instructors who will help you get across this gap. 
the third thing, and I think this is probably, I don't want to say it's the least important, but it is uh, maybe the least important, is just suck it up and move on. And, and just allow yourself to to know that, okay, well, I'm not so good at this for one reason or another. I'm going to have to learn it. And just do it. And just put the work in. Put the time in. You know, get in a pool. Go out with your buddies in the quarry at, you know, 20 feet, 6 meters and practice a skill. Do gas switches, holding buoyancy at shallow stops, all this other stuff. Just practice in the best way you know how. And if it's not working, then go back to your instructor and say, hey, this is not working. Do you have another way that I can practice this that might give me more of a foundational basis to be better at this? And let your instructor help you. So those are the three things. I think as I make my way back to my home where I'm going to put all this morning behind me and you know work to make it not happen again and and then go back up to LA and do the whole day over again but everything's working. I think it's just a question of you know being at peace with the process, understanding that you know training goes up and down, setbacks happen. And just you know we don't want to encourage setbacks, but we certainly want to accept them. Accepting setbacks makes all forms of motivation better because you know now you can work through issues. And to me, that's the biggest thing. It's knowing that I'm going to come out the other side of this. It's not a big deal. It's just a few hours spent in a way that I would prefer to have not spent them. But it did, I did, we did, it all happened. And now I'm just going to go live the rest of my day and have a great rest of the day. It's not going to wreck it for me. So that's my car cast for today. Allow your frustrations to happen. Live through them. Don't pitch a tent. Don't sell your gear. Do engage your instructor and your team to help you. And expect these things to happen. Expect setbacks and just work through them in the best possible way. So thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back with more scuba-based podcasts, which is really what this podcast series is. We have more podcasts on rebreathers, more podcasts on the coaching program, more podcasts on training methodologies, all of that. We'll be having those coming up shortly. And um, as always, leave us a rating and review, particularly on these car casts. If you find them helpful, um, you know, certainly let me know, Jeff at UTDScubaDiving.com. And uh, if you have topics you're interested in, let me know and I'll see if I can get them covered. So uh, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you all on the next one. Cheers. Hell is going outside. Down the street.